0: no man is just a number we are the spy fi guys and this is the prisoner welcome to the spy fi guys where we cover spy facts spy fiction and everything in between i'm christian and i'm zach welcome to our swinging 60s spy summer all this summer, we'll be breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional spy movies and TV shows made or set during the golden age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascot. It's time to get groovy.
1: That's right. And today we're covering 1967's The Prisoner, starring Patrick McGoohan.
0: Yes, and we have a guest on our show today.
2: Uh, hey, this is uh, Sandeep.
0: Hey, Sandeep. Yeah, so Sandeep's a friend of ours. He really likes the, the show The Prisoner, so we thought it'd be good to have him on for this. Out of curiosity, so what was what's your connection with The Prisoner?
2: Well, I started watching this, um, well, back uh, 10 years ago, and I just really like the show. It was very different from what I have seen at the time. Uh, I was mostly familiar with James Bond-type movies, and uh, just something I seemed very different from anything else I had watched, so I just really got into it.
0: Of, I think, all the different spy movies and TV shows we're covering for this special series, it's definitely the one that's the most different and i appreciate that actually because i mean not that i don't love 60s spy of cinema and tv but after a while a lot of it seems the same so just this is just a breath of fresh air i'd say
1: absolutely true and i would almost describe it as more science fiction than spy-fi
0: yeah i could say that but also well and we'll get into it more but like there's definitely a lot the tropes of spy-fi especially in the second one but so, why don't we talk about which episodes we'll be covering? So, we're going to cover the very first episode, Arrival, because I've, I've never seen the show before. And I was like, alright, if I'm going to get to this, I'll at least watch the first episode so I know a vague idea of what's going on. And, Zach, you want to talk about the other episode we covered?
1: So, the other episode we're covering is called Hammer into Anvil, which was selected by Sandeep. Sandeep, do you want to explain why you selected this one? I
2: selected this episode because um, there, like uh, there's a lot of very iconic episodes in the series but this particular one it really sh- uh it has number 6 turning the tables on the um number 2 on the, on the administration of the village and using the surveillance uh, apparatus against you know the administrator administrator so i thought it was a pretty clever way of yeah turning things around
0: and i think it's a good know. contrast between the two where in the first in arrival Number two is definitely in charge, and number six is super confused. And it turns the tables right on them in that one. So yeah, that was, these are good choices.
1: Another reason to pick Hammer into Anvil is the top-rated episode on IMDb of the whole series, which was the same metric we used for Danger Man slash Secret <laughs> Agent.
0: <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah, that was oh, awesome actually. Favorite. Do you want to talk about the connection between the two?
1: Right. So we touched on this briefly in the Danger Man episode. The Prisoner is sort of a sequel to Danger Man slash Secret Agent. It kind of depends on who you ask. A lot of the same people involved in making the first series made the second one, including obviously Patrick McGuhan, but also writers, directors, and so on.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I th- I knew it was just the same star, but I didn't know a lot of the behind the scenes team was the same as well. So that's really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's if I recall correctly. And I think it was advertised as like Danger Man: Cole, The Prisoner or something like that when it originally came Interesting. Even right. though they need to confirm that the character is the same.
0: Oh yeah. So why don't we get into that first episode, so we can really t- get into get into talking about what the prisoner is.
1: Sure. So here is the IMDb summary. After resigning, a secret agent is abducted and taken to what looks like an idyllic village, but is really a bizarre prison. His warders demand information. He gives them nothing but only tries to escape.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary. So. I like this intro. Like, at first I was like, is this like the title sequence? Like, is, is this what they show at the beginning of every episode? And I was like, okay, what's going on? And you have, we don't know his name, at, like at this point. he's just, So I'm just going to call him Patrick McGuin. And he's like in his fast little race car looking car, driving around London. He goes to like an underground office. There's no audio, but we can see he's like arguing with someone who I presume is his boss. All the while he's being tailed by this black car he goes back to his flat to pack up a bunch of stuff and they put some gas through his keyhole and he's and he's knocked out and as as this is going on there's a file on him that's getting all these x's like typed up over it like the x's are typing a big x over his photo which i liked
1: i think that picture of him is from danger man but i'm ah, not entirely ah, sure okay oh. So I, I'm kind of slowing us down because op- the opening of the series is very yeah. famous. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. the first episode is different. Yeah. Because it's the first episode. But I do like when he's resigning, it's this empty, empty in the sense that there's no people in it. Like warehouse with this like robotic arm that just moves <laughs> around. Yeah. yeah. It sets, like, the yeah. surreal science fiction-y tone right away. This retro-futuristic atmosphere. Like, probably it, w-
2: it would have been, like, in the 60s, it would have been seen as stuff as, a, as, like, achievable in the near future, but not. Right.
0: Well, I'm just going to say, that that architecture with, uh, with like, very rounded edges and, like, a lot of circular shapes and stuff like that, that's straight out James Bond. That is Ken Adam, his designs. Like, Zach, we've only seen so far, like, or at least covered so far in this in our podcast, Doctor No, and he doesn't really get into those crazy designs until a few movies in. There's a little hint of it in what in, in Doctor No, but that sort of design is super Ken Adams' influence. And anytime you see that kind of thing, like mm-hmm. well, you see a lot in The Austin Powers. That design where it feels like sort of almost futuristic, but also like retro is yep. classic Ken Adams. Nice. All right, so he wakes up in a room in the village. It seems like a nice place. Like right now, I'd love to go on holiday there. That sounds great. Except, you know, minus a lot of people.
2: Yeah. Uh, Like uh, the fact that it starts off and it was almost
0: abandoned and you only see a few people
1: around.
2: That
0: was Yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, you're right. It's like, yeah, there's not a lot of people there at first. Is everyone just asleep or?
1: My read is that it was before the day starts. So it has like that PA announcement and then everybody just goes.
0: Okay. Again, adding to that, like, the fact that they all go at that one time adds to that sort of surrealism. Right. So, like, he gets out of his his room there, like, is, like, looking around, he goes up to a bell tower to get a better vantage point, and sees, like, a view of pretty much the whole village, and he sees like Sandeep said, like, there's only like two other people who are, like, a maid and I'm not sure what the other guy was.
2: Like an innkeeper or something.
0: Yeah, something like that. And yeah. so he goes down to them, and well, actually, before he does that, like the bell that's right next to him starts ringing.
2: I do like how when he, they're running through the village, cut it in such a way it's actually hard to keep track of where number six, six is actually going. Like, it, it's hard to get an idea in your head of what the layout of the village is or how big it actually is.
3: Yeah, uh, that's so very close- true.
2: Supposedly the result where it was this series was shot is actually pretty small. So they have to use these really? camera tricks to make it seem like it's much larger than it really was.
0: Interesting. I would never have guessed that. Uh, all right. So he goes down to the ma- where the maid is and he asks, mm-hmm. I need to use a phone. I was like, okay, you can make a call at the phone box. And it's like a pay phone setup, although it's got like a interestingly futuristic phone, if I recall.
1: Yeah, that phone looks sweet. It was like some kind of science fiction <laughs> phone. <laughs> and the,
0: so the operator is like, you know, local calls only, and they ask him for what's your number. I don't have any number. And he goes over to what looks like one of those things you'd have in a mall, like a mall map, which has you know all the different shops, except it's for the whole village. And there's a bunch of buttons on there too, and you can do things like call for a taxi, which he tries. And a taxi driver co- pulls up in this little cart, and she tries English first, then French. And he's trying to get out of there. And he's like, oh, nope, only local service, which will become a theme throughout this whole episode. <laughs> yeah. And so she drives him around, shows him around. Or Number six asks, take me as far as you can. And apparently not very far, but drives him around the village. And number six asks her, why do you speak to me in French? She's like, well, we're a very international bunch here. I didn't know. You could have been Polish or Czech.
1: Yeah, she says it's very cosmopolitan here. You never That's know right. who you'll meet. And then when he leaves, she... Does a hand motion and says "be seeing you."
0: Oh, is that the first appearance of that? I did see that pop up a lot. But what was the hand motion? So you
1: make like an okay sign. Yeah. Which I know you're not allowed to make anymore, but you hold up to your eye, and then you just kind of like throw your hand uh, in in forward.
0: Interesting. All right.
1: Leads me to a story of I have dressed up as another sex for various. I remember
0: that. Yeah.
1: Because it's such an easy costume to do, and you don't have to think about it. And one time at New York Comic Con, I was walking through this big crowd, and I felt like this hard poke on my shoulder. It, like, almost hurt. And I was (laughs) was like, what the heck? And this guy in, like, a plague doctor mask just did the Uh hand motion without saying anything, and then turned (laughs) to walk away.
0: That's a pretty good story. Yeah. Over one of the big speakers... I have a note here that says overhead speaker, but I don't remember what the speaker said.
1: <laughs> oh, the speaker was just like, oh, it's it's another great day here. Everybody have a good time or something like that.
0: That's right. Okay. So he goes back to his room and outside. Uh, we've been calling him number six pretty much since the start. but. This is when we first see that he is staying in house number six and that's how he has his number
2: and i want to note here that there's a lot of creepy little touches around the house like did you notice those weird little dolls that were holding the cards
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. the card that says welcome to your home from home
1: yeah when he arrives at the house the door also opens for him
0: that's true yeah it's a lot there's a lot of sliding doors or like open automatically opening doors and sliding panels which i can say would be a novelty in the 60s definitely
1: Well, Star Trek did do it first, but it still shows that even though this takes place in the real world, there's some sci-fi elements too, or it's supposed to take place in the real
0: world. Yeah. Star Mm -hmm. Trek came out in 66. So that's only a year out from this. I thought
1: it came out in 1963. No. Okay.
0: 66. 63 was Doctor Who. Number six gets a call from number two and invites him over for breakfast and says it's the house with the big dome, big green dome. Mm -hmm. So he goes over. And enters, and you know, at first when you enter, you enter, it's a regular house, but then you go into the dome, which is what I was referring to—that big, the very 60s styling room. You've got almost like the egg chair, like the Doctor Evil right. looking chair, which I love. Pre-pandemic, there was a restaurant uh in DC called Grand Turk or Grand Trunk, which had Grand downstairs Trunk, yeah. those kind of seats, and every time I just loved going there because, like, it didn't fit the aesthetic really at all, but it was, like. I love these chairs.
1: Looking back on this set, I remember thinking it's strange because the village is very friendly, or it's trying to be friendly, even though it's rather surreal, whereas this is like just a classic villain lair.
0: It also reminded me of Cerebro.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think the idea idea is that it's supposed to carry authority, shows Mm -hmm. that number two's in charge, but he just seems like a bad guy. When he's also sort of trying to be Number Six's friend at the same time, mm-hmm. that's weird. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, The first Number Two is basically the nicest one in the series. Like he even mm-hmm. tries to be the empath- like uh, empathetic to uh, Six. But just the whole atmosphere of the the room, just, it's still, uh, it still makes him vaguely menacing.
0: Oh yeah. So like, and to add on to that, not only is, is the room look like a villain lair, there's like a control panel in front of him which has all these buttons, which again makes me think of like Blofeld or Dr. Evil. And like all the buttons do different things. Like one of them raises a chair from up from one of these like holes in the floor. But I will what? say I did like this. For, so this number two, uh, number two, I liked his scarf. I don't know. I don't know why that stuck in my head. but I just liked his scarf that he was wearing.
2: He was this pretty snappy dresser. Yeah. It's also interesting that, that um, they knew the kind of uh, food and and tea that number six likes, even before like they had everything prepared, even though even yeah before he he, uh, he came in.
0: Yeah, I like that. So he's like, where number two is asking him, "You for coffee or tea?" And they, and he says tea with lemon, and it's already there because they knew exactly what he liked. So even right. though he's offering these options, they know what he likes and they have it ready. Which is like, oh, that's creepy.
1: It shows that they've studied him really well.
0: Yeah. Do we ever really get it confirmed that he was a secret agent? Or is that just alluded to? Definitely alluded to. It's alluded to here that, you know, he retired, or not retired, he resigned. Yeah. But the information in his head is, like, priceless. And it would be worth a lot on the open market. And so, number two has a lot of questions about his resignation. And Yes. Uh, six is trying to leave. Number two shows him all these photos on the wall like as he's flipping through like his dossier.
1: Yeah, I didn't like this part. No. No, and they talk about this Chambers guy who I think never comes up later. This is like totally unnecessary. Just say right. he's a secret agent, he resigned, keep it mysterious. You know, we don't need to know who he works for or exactly what he did. It's just not relevant to the story. I don't know why well, it's there.
0: I, I mean, we I don't think, know, really. From here, we don't get a we don't we aren't told who he works for or anything. So, I think it's right. even more vague than what you're describing.
2: I think the point of this is isn't it so much to uh fill out uh number Six's background, it's to say that they've been monitoring him for a long time. Yeah. Like, just to they hammer were, the point. Yeah, like they were watching him while he was meeting with his coworkers his contacts or something. Or one of his contacts or
0: something. Yeah, so we don't even know who this guy was. So yeah, it's it's. I think it's. I think it's appropriately conveyed. So that is interesting. So they next go for a helicopter ride to see the village from from the air. And mm-hmm. number two points out all the different things, like the council building. Apparently, their council is democratically elected. There's only one restaurant, seemingly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Of course, a... the uh, the democratically elected council is pretty funny.
0: Yeah.
2: And I, I like all the it's... passive aggressiveness between uh, <laughs> yeah. six and two.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a newspaper. Well, they have their own graveyard and social club.
1: Well, there's a couple kind of funny things here where – Number two says, we have everything here. You know, water, electricity. (laughs) I was like, I don't think that really qualifies as everything. Yeah. And he also says, when talking about the graveyard, you'll be the death of me.
0: (laughs) I didn't catch that. That's funny. That's funny. And apparently there's also the uh, Citizen Advice Bureau, which is to help Mm -hmm. out anyone who's new, apparently. He also hints that keep your eyes open. You never know who you might meet, including people who might know you. Or no you
1: know. Right. Hmm. So there's this theory that I was thinking about. So fans have all kinds of theories about this show, but one okay. of them is that the village is all built for number six. Is that everybody there is a jailer. So I was hoping the episode Hammer and Anvil had this speech, but it doesn't. So I'm gonna talk about it now. Okay. Where he has this speech to the to all these people gathered in the village. Sunday, you'll probably remember this, where he's like Unlike me, many of you have decided to remain here where you will die like rotten cabbages. But make no mistake, I will find who are the prisoners and who are the wardens. But anyway, so the idea here is that, like, if you meet someone he knows, they're in on it. And if you meet someone from his past, they're in on it. It's not a prison for spies. It's a prison for him.
0: Huh. Interesting. This is where it gets the most surreal. Mm Mm-hmm. What the hell is up with the ball?
2: The ball's are over. Well, yeah, the ball's over. It's an iconic part of the, the series.
0: All right. Mm-hmm. So, for those who don't know what we we're talking about, so there's a scene here where number two is like on, up on a balcony with a megaphone talking down to number six about how I mean, everything's idyllic here, everything's great, and giving me instructions on w- where to walk. And then he says, stop. And everyone stops except for one dude who's, like, panicking. Why is he panicking? I don't know. This white ball comes up from the fountain, does it look like? Is that where it came from?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's like, right.
0: from the fountain in the middle, at this point, it's only, like, the size of, like, a tennis ball. Expands to, like, I don't know, to compare it to size-wise. It's uh, like the size
1: of a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so, sure. Let's say go with that. Mm-hmm. And it, like, envelops him. And yeah. kills him? That's right. Maybe?
2: and then, It incapacitates him then okay. six asked two what the, what that was and two replies that would be telling which, which will show up later a- in
0: the opening yes yeah yeah okay i remember that from the opening of uh, the next episode
1: so it's a little <laughs> convenient that this guy just happened to freak out and they needed rover to incapacitate him when six was standing there
0: or was it all a plant to just I think- freak him yeah. out
1: I think I'm going to keep defending this theory that everybody (laughs) is in on it for the rest of this
0: episode. Interesting. All right. Together, two and six go into the Citizen Advice Bureau. And there's a sign here that I love. That was like, questions are a burden to others. Answers a prison for oneself.
2: Mm -hmm. It's very like 1984 type stuff.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to refer to this place as like control room because this is where you get more of that sort of... It looks like the dome, but it's set up differently right more like 60s architecture this is where he gets like an aptitude test Oh, wait, no, this is not the dome this is not the control room that i was thinking of this is another place but again there's mm-hmm. a lot of 60s architecture
1: i wonder if it's the same set and no. they just have something different inside
0: oh for what? for the for the control room and the dome
1: yeah
0: oh yeah definitely but i think this is a different set because this is the architecture set up differently okay and then there's like these tinker toys that are it's like, it's like a tinker toy uh um, ferris wheel that's like spinning in between him and the guy who's trying to get him to do these tests I was Mm -hmm. like that's really distracting and as soon as I think that's distracting number six like throws it down and breaks them I'm like oh poor guy who probably spent all of his free time setting those up (laughs) Mm -hmm. so and he like storms out of there and goes back to his house and when he gets there there's a a woman in there who she says that she's his uh, personal maid he dismisses her Again, we had some a lot of sliding doors and walls, and so he's like goes around the house, the house, searching for everything. There's a full weird li- amount of lava lamps in this show.
2: It was the '60s. It's true.
0: Yeah. But he goes, and then he like looks, finds the the radio, and smashes it over one of the intercoms. Someone says, "Please go to number six where adjustment is needed."
1: It doesn't yeah. just. It happens like as he's destroying it.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay.
2: Yeah. Even though he smashes the radio, he never actually gets it to stop playing. Like, it's
3: constant. True. Playing.
0: Yeah. This is interesting because, like, most of, from, you know, a lot of times in shows, if there's like a soundtrack playing, it's not heard by the people in the show. But this is, I guess, is that diegetic music? Is that what it's called?
1: I or always actually, mix them up.
0: Yeah. The music that we hear is being played over the radio. So he can hear it too. But yeah. Like Sandeep said, yeah, he's smashing the radio, but doesn't turn off. And then the maid comes back and says she forgot something. And like, he starts Mm -hmm. to question her and she's like, I don't know anything. She's been here there as long as she can remember her parents died. And she says that we have a saying here, still tongue makes a happy life.
1: So the implication with this part is that she's another prisoner who got like co-opted into playing a role in the village, which may be what they were going for as defense of my theory. (laughs) That's all lies she's just lying through her teeth it's all crocodile <laughs> tears
2: uh, i uh, yeah. actually wasn't there a scene right afterwards where i think it was number two and, and someone else were monitoring the whole exchange between the maid and number mm-hmm. six Yep, yeah and yep. it's implied that the maid was a plant like they put her it's up it's to- a
0: little unglow so what the maid says is that the, she she was offered her freedom in exchange for gaining his confidence we cut to that scene so this I think this is in the control room. You're right, Zach. I think they're basically the same set, but one of them has like the seesaw thing in the middle of it.
1: That seesaw is great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like a seesaw with two people on it, and they're like watching different feeds. And there's maps along the whole around the whole dome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they're like, so yeah, um, they're they're watching number six in the, in the control room, and yeah, like Sandeep was saying, someone in there is saying she almost had him, but number two is like no. He's a different sort of man. We'll need to try something new.
1: Yeah, he also says, you know how important this is. Do we? No no no. That's that's what number two says. <laughs> no, no,
0: <I'm>, I know, I know like, but do we know? Because we know we don't, because I'm like I'm following everything but I'm still very confused by this. And I'm sure that's intentional.
1: Right.
2: Uh, yeah, that's absolutely intentional.
1: Yeah. It's sort of unclear. Again, I don't want to keep bringing up the theory, but it's like, <laughs> okay, I guess it's pretty clear now that number six isn't just another brick in the wall. He yeah. isn't just another spy who resigned suddenly and got put on this island or whatever. But
0: do we know that everyone else is a spy? Uh, we don't know nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Alright, so we next have mm-hmm. he tries to go through the woods to see if he can find a way to place to escape and then the ball comes or rover is rover's the name of the ball that's right yeah all right so rover comes out after him as he's doing this they're uh, they're watching him in the control room and the sculptures are like have cameras built into them so they're like turning and watching him he runs from rover and as he gets further out they start escalating the alerts so first it's up to the yellow alert and then he goes up to an orange alert
3: Mm
0: -hmm. at one point there's a they send it like a golf cart thing to chase after him on the beach but he knocks out the guards it was a brief fight scene but it was a good fight
1: i liked that it was on like a golf cart yeah (laughs) so like it feels like it's going fast because of the way it's filmed but i feel like it couldn't have been
0: at least compared to like running like if you're running it'll feel like they're going fast if you're trying to catch up to one
3: Mm -hmm.
0: so he steals the cart they bump it up to orange alert and then rover comes after him and captures him
1: so rover is scary to british people i've heard (laughs) So you know how like British people are afraid of Daleks and we don't understand why cuz Daleks well, are really silly looking I
0: think part of that is just bec- depends on when they started watching Doctor Who. Like they start probably started watching it when they were very young cuz I be mean, like Doctor Who is supposed to be a kid's show.
1: Yes, and this show isn't supposed to be a kid's show really, but I think a lot of people watch it as kids because it is family friendly. Mm-hmm. There's no blood or sex or anything in it. Many British people have told me. Actually, when I first watched this, it was when I was studying abroad in New Zealand. Oh. That they find the image of the guy's face in Rover. Where it's all like stretched out. They find all right. It.
0: That I, I will give you because that is yeah, that yeah. is disconcerting. We'll say.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So he wakes up in the hospital, and there's this creepy old woman sitting next to his bed, like knitting, and and
3: mm-hmm.
0: number six sees someone who he knows in a bed nearby. Cobb. So he asks him like, "How long have you been here?" And Cobb says. Three, four weeks, maybe months, it's hard to tell here, and at this point, right. when he's trying to get talk to Cobb more, this is when the doctor comes and uh, wants to check up on him and get a clear read on all right if there's anything wrong with him. So they walk through different parts of the hospital, and there's these doors with like circular windows with purple light coming from them mm-hmm. and each time he looks into mm-hmm. them, there's something different. Uh, but yeah, so he goes over to the exam room, which of course has more lava lamps of course. <laughs> the machine examines him and then he, p- he spits out a punch card like the Batman 66. Yeah, I, I, I noticed
2: that. It's spits out a punch card and the doctor just reads it like, oh yeah, you're fine. <laughs> all right, so, they, so thought...
0: someone who has medical expertise, if someone handed you a punch card, would you have any idea what it would say?
1: I, I wouldn't even know what to do with it because <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know where to find a machine that could read a punch oh, card. Oh man. Again, it's like Star Trek where Dr. McCoy like looks at all the little gauges above the med bed or whatever. And he's like, oh, they're fine. Or yeah, oh, but that's a die. real
0: thing. Like, actually, this is a random aside, but all the gauges and the monitor above your the deck or above a bed in in sick bay in Star Trek, someone got inspired by that to say, "Oh, we should actually have people's stats on the monitor next to them in a hospital." And so it's because yeah. of Star Trek that those things exist.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I would definitely know those, but I didn't know they were inspired by Star Trek.
0: This may be wrong, but I remember reading this. Yeah, the doctor reads the punch card and says, oh, you're absolutely fit. And says, we'll get you some new clothes. And Six is like, what happened to my old clothes? Oh, we burned them. Why? Who knows?
2: He cut him off from his old life. Maybe a Roller just uh, ruined his clothes or
0: something, but I
2: think <laughs> I like Zach's theory better.
0: Thank you. So he goes back to his bed and we find out that Cobb jumped out the window and he's dead. We don't see it. We're just told this.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure he dead.
0: And also this is where we first see his iconic jacket, black blazer with white piping, which I, li- I like that look, actually.
1: Yeah, it looks great. And yeah. he has a hat, but he doesn't wear it for very long.
0: Oh, that's right. The straw hat. Yeah. He's wearing like a blue turtleneck, which I appreciate. Yeah. Because I enjoy turtlenecks. And I enjoyed we- turtlenecks before Archer. <laughs> <laughs> God. They also give him a free ride home on one of the taxis. And as he's going home, like, it goes past number two's house. And so he, like, jumps out of the taxi and runs over inside. This is the first of the number two switches. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I I like how uh, the new number two is uh, much crueler. Like, he is much more focused on extracting information. And I think he says something like, um, "If if you won't give us what we want, we'll take it from you. (laughs) <laughs> like he makes no attempt to be nice or uh, friendly to number six the way the old number two was
1: do you think it's because number six tried to escape
2: maybe maybe actually
1: uh, i forgot to mention this with the costume but i'm wearing an original number six badge the lighting is kind of washed out but you're gonna have to take my word for it all
3: right. and wow. i
1: bought it at like a thrift store for like three dollars nice that's pretty awesome. Wait, um, unfortunately, it's kind of too degraded to actually wear as part of the costume, nor that would I want to risk it anyway. But <laughs> so this around. is actually part of the show? Like I think so, I think it was used as part of the filming, yeah. Ooh, That's what wow. they told me. And they wouldn't lie to me at a thrift store, would they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. All right, I was wondering yeah. what that was. Wait, so mm. And we haven't talked about this, but there's a thing with like the old fashioned bicycles with the giant wheels and the giant front wheel and the tiny uh, back wheels. The penny farthings. Is that what I didn't know? Mm -hmm. First of all, I knew a penny farthing was a thing. I didn't know what it was. And I also didn't know that was a name for those kind of bicycles. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what it's called. But it's just the symbol of the village.
0: Okay, because I noticed a lot of people wearing like a pin with that. Did number six have one of those as well? hmm Yeah. Huh, interesting. As it's all going on and he's talking to the new number two. He's demanding to you know what happens to Cobb. Number two doesn't give him anything and says he, that his only chance to get out is to give them information. But number six of obviously doesn't, and he goes back to his house and as he's out know, the window he sees a parade. Well it's not just a parade, it's actually a processional. But it's with the brass band in front, it seems very happy. But not like New Orleans has their like jazz funeral processions. So it wasn't like that, but it was mm. just like a very I don't know, it very surreal. surreal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was inappropriately right. cheerful.
0: Yeah, that 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 thank you, Sandeep. That's exactly what it was. Well, they're and finally free. As there yeah. so yeah, as there's the procession going, there's a woman who's trailing behind the procession, not with everyone else. So number six goes after her and confronts her, and she's like watching the funeral over a cliff, not up close to it.
2: I just wanted to say I thought it was a little weird the way he ran up to her and grabbed her. And, like, Mm -hmm. her.
1: That's something they love to do in these old movies. And by old, I mean, like, older than the 1980s.
0: I would say even into the 90s they do that. I mean, Fair even enough.
2: considering you were talking about the movie Night and Day recently, uh, not too long ago. So I, I think he was into the 2000s. Yeah. Oh like,
0: yeah.
1: I don't think Tom Cruise ever grabs Cameron Diaz by the shoulders and like shakes her. He does no. a plenty of other scary stuff, but that's not one of them.
0: <laughs> and for more on that, go back and listen to our Night and Day <laughs> podcast if you haven't, because I think it is one of my favorites actually. But let's get back to the prisoner. So she claims to uh, this woman who. We never really mm. learned her name, do we?
1: Well, she, nobody
0: yeah. has a name in the person. Yeah, but she doesn't even have a number. I
1: think, she's I think number she nine. has a number 39 or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Okay. Maybe they said it. They
2: All never right. say it, but it's it's, it's there on her pin.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I never caught... See, that's what I was wondering. They ne- I never caught that everyone's number is on their pins.
1: Uh, maybe you need to watch it in high definition or whatever.
0: <laughs> maybe, or I don't know. Yeah, the woman like claims not to know Cobb, but says that she wants to help Number Six, but she doesn't know whether or not she can trust him. Number Six is like, all right, well, I, we need to meet, talk again, meet and meet again. When do we meet? Twelve o'clock at the concert. So they meet at the cons, the brass band concert. She says she knows a way out, and that they're going to steal a helicopter, but to steal, steal it, and to get away. um, They need an electropass, which will help him get, you know, past everything.
1: Right. Was the electropass a weird little watch thing that beeps? Yes. I also like that he can fly a helicopter, apparently, because he's just that.
0: He's a spy. He's the man. Yeah. And I feel like we talked about helicopters recently, but I'm like, but just to reiterate, flying a helicopter is not like flying a plane. It's a lot more complicated. Yes. Which makes it even more impressive that Tom Cruise learned to fly a helicopter just for Mission Impossible oh Fallout. But I bring
1: Tom Cruise here. every episode. <laughs> I don't I'm think Patrick McGuhan was, was this flying this
0: helicopter. I am not the first person to bring up Tom Cruise on this podcast.
1: <laughs> That's true. But then we find out that this woman, thirty-nine or whatever, is a spy for Number Two.
0: Yeah. So she's meeting with the new Number Two, and they're like talking about that. her last assignment was Cobb, and you know it's a pity what happened to him. And you're getting a new assignment, and. So she gets a folder, and of course, inside the, the folder is a photo of number six.
1: So I guess it's like a flashback
2: is the idea? I don't think so. I think it's not clear when that exchange takes place.
0: Uh, it is, actually, and we'll t- I'll talk about it. Because number six sees her leaving number two's place. Oh, yeah. So number six is playing chess with an older man, man who's there, and like she sees the woman. So they meet over in the uh, stone boat. So wait, this boat. Yeah, there's no way that she gets out on the water. Right, it is. Lit, lit, that's why it's called the stone boat because it's just like on the beach and yeah, you can't right. take it in the water.
1: I think they filmed this at like some kind of resort.
0: Okay, I was wondering about that too because like, yeah, I would visit that place. That looks cool. Like, yeah, again, yeah. if I were not imprisoned there. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: it's a it's a real resort in like Wales.
0: Wales. All right.
1: So I think the stone boat is like for kids to play on.
0: Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. So she gives him the electro pass. And it's hidden in a watch, but not just any watch. It's a Hamilton watch, which is a nice watch brand. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember if Bond used the Hamilton watch at any point. Because I'm like, I know that brand, but I don't remember why I know that brand. He confronts. Number six confronts her about seeing her at number twos. And he's suspicious, but she's like, no, don't worry about it. I want to help you get out. And she says, go now before it's too late. Six goes after the helicopter and is being re- you know, very sneaky. We've got some sneaky music here. But of course, Rover is right there.
1: That's right, but he has the watch, and so Rover doesn't attack him. though it cuts up right in his face.
0: Does it? Does the electro pass allows six to get into the helicopter? He starts it up and flies away. And as he's flying, the control room is watching him and seeing him. And you know, number two like gives a gives a nod or gives a look to someone, and they like pull a lever. And as mm-hmm. that that lever activates an autopilot that won't let him fly away from the village. So, like, he gets out, you know, decently far out at sea, and then it, like, turns him back and he's getting, struggling with controls, but he can't get, you can't fight it.
3: I was
1: watching this with Alana. Yeah. Well, she came in towards the end. She didn't like it because it's too old. But she <laughs> was, like, she was, like, instead of fighting the controls, you should be looking around for, like, landmarks or something to try to escape later. I, somehow, Whatever. I don't think there were any to, to see. No,
0: there were. Didn't, it didn't look like it. As this is happening, the woman is near the guy who Six was playing chess with earlier. Offers her, it was like, game of chess? You should learn. We're all pawns.
1: Yeah, that, the, the we're all pawns is a little on the nose. It's like, I, get it? I Do you get it. it? I liked it. <laughs> I like this too. Also,
0: considering this is probably, like, when this was made, the chess mm-hmm. metaphor was not overplayed at that point. as yeah, it is enough. now. But yeah, so the chopper lands back in the control room. We find out that Cobb isn't dead. And Mm -hmm. he's like all dressed up in a suit with like a bowler hat and an umbrella. He looks like, what's his name? John Steed from the British Avengers TV show is what he looks like. I could see that. And so Cobb's like, you should let him keep the watch. Now that they know that he has it, he can't use it again, really.
1: Well, no, like it'll be a reminder that escape is futile or whatever. I
2: didn't catch that line.
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was really nice,
2: actually.
0: So Cobb's leaving, he says, I must, mustn't keep my new masters waiting. That begs the question, all right. And we'll never know the answer to this question, I assume. Did he give up the secrets, and now that's how he got out? Or has he been working for them the whole time? I don't know. Well, he does say new masters, so maybe he did, and that's how he got out. But it's we'll never really know. Nope. As this is happening, so yeah, the chopper lands, Six gets out of the chopper, Rover is pushing him around. <laughs>
1: But it doesn't and attack him this time.
0: doesn't attack him, no. But it's just like nudging him around, trying to get him to go in a certain direction. And that's the end of the first episode.
1: That's right. So I just have one thing I wanted to comment from my The Prisoner Ultimate Series companion, which came <laughs> with my DVDs. Nice. So that at one point, he says his birthday, number six oh, yeah, his he birthday, does, yes. which is March 19th, 1928. And that is Pedro Magoohan's real birthday.
0: I was wondering oh. about that.
1: <laughs> and it's weird for someone to be born in 1928.
0: Yeah. You know? is, is Patrick McGoohan dead?
1: Yes. He died okay. in like 2015 or something like that. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to wait to do ratings and Spy Fight versus fiction until the end of the second episode. But for now, do you have any favorite quotes from Arrival?
0: I do. I have one. Okay. It's, I've resigned. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered.
1: We, Cindy. I don't know if we told you that we do quotes, but do you have one? I did like
2: the um, "We're all pawns here, my dear." Oh, that's uh, towards the end.
3: Okay. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. And then I have a couple. I have. I don't know who you are and what you work for, and I don't care. I'm leaving. <laughs> I didn't deliver that as well as Patrick McGoughan did. And then, of course, later he says, "I am not a number. I am a person."
0: Ah, uh, yes.
1: Yes. Which is after they say he's number six, and Which then finally
0: is interesting. Because, Uh if you remember, in the Secret Agent Man lyrics, Mm -hmm. there's a line in there that says,
3: we're giving you a
0: number and taking away your name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is ironic, especially if it is a prequel to The Prisoner.
1: The song, of course, was written before The Prisoner even came out. I know, exactly. That's why I think it's so interesting.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or they were inspired by that.
1: Somehow, I don't think so. Um, And then I, I have one last quote that I liked, which is from Cobb. Okay. Or whoever he is, he says, Don't be too harsh on the girl. She was most upset at my funeral. Sorry like <laughs> that. that. Was, yeah, that's a good one too. This is the first episode that had a lot of good dialogue. Hi, SpiFy fans. We have a promotion for you.
0: This is not an ad.
1: No, it is not.
0: We're offering you a chance to win a free Spy Fire Guys t-shirt if you live in the US or Canada.
1: All you have to do is leave a 5-star review for this podcast on iTunes and use the code word SUMMER in the review.
0: That's the code word SUMMER.
1: You have until the end of the swinging 60s summer to so the end of September 2021.
0: We will select our winner at random from all the entries received.
1: Again, that's a five-star written review with the code word SUMMER for your chance to
0: win. Good luck, and thank you for listening.
1: But uh, let's move on to the second one now. Hammer into Anvil. Yeah. Number six vows revenge and goes after a sadistic number two after he drives a fellow village resident to her death.
0: Yeah, so we start this episode... Well, first of all, we get the actual credit sequence, which, like I said previously we didn't get that in the first episode because the first episode is different and yes. so we get a so, bunch of quotes from the first episode you know they want information and also this is where you know we get confirmation that it's not just the old number two Now again, it's a, a number two keeps changing
1: i think every episode they say well actually not every opening they don't always say i'm the new number two sometimes they just say i am number two
3: hmm. okay so
1: yeah. this opening is really famous i'm sure you probably heard a reference before and the the inner play like the inter dialogue is in the opening of an iron maiden song which is really? why people know really?
0: it. interesting I did not know that
1: yeah so bill burr the comedian who i follow he <laughs> has never seen the show but he likes iron maiden so every now and then on his podcast when he's like information will be like information information we want information
0: <laughs> interest that's that's hilarious that like because of that it has become a touchstone with a separate audience from those who have watched the prisoner.
2: Well, it is a very uh, iconic and very stylish intro.
1: So I can see why it would have that kind of impact.
2: Yeah. On pop
1: culture. We'd of course would be remiss not to mention, I am not a number. I am a free man, which is a really (laughs) famous line. Mm -hmm. And are they official, they sell a Mm t-shirt with that quote on it from the like official prisoner store, but it has periods at the end of each sentence. I'm like, the way he says it feels more like exclamation points to
3: me he's, he's
2: <laughs> okay. on top of his lungs
1: yeah i don't know if you guys have seen this but san diego comic-con sometimes gets protested by the Westboro baptist church yeah, oh, yeah. and they do counter protests where it's like people in costumes with various themed signs so like it's a it's like a, a star trek guy with a sign that says god hates the jedis <laughs> stuff like that all right <laughs> so i i if I ever had the chance, it'd be kind of cool to wear the prisoner costume and just have a sign that says I'm not a number, I'm a free man. And it works in any context.
0: It does. Oh, that, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. We start this episode in the hospital and we see number 73 who's this, who's a, a woman apparently mm-hmm. is in the hospital. She tried to slash her, or she slashed her. She didn't try. She didn't succeed in her attempt to commit suicide. And number 2 is there. A, a different number 2 this time. Oh, he's attempts her with like information. You, about like where her husband is claims that her husband is having an affair with another woman and she's not cooperating. So he threatens her and makes her scream. Number six is outside the hospital walking past. Here's the screaming runs up to try to help before he gets inside and in the room, she jumped out the window to her death.
1: Just like Cobb supposedly did in episode yeah. number one,
0: but this time we see but, it and we see the yeah. body like all like outside the window not gory but you you see the body on the ground
3: mm-hmm.
0: and um number six t- like shouts at number two you'll pay for this
1: okay i'm going to give away my favorite quote right now this uh, is my favorite quote number two says you'll pay for this you shouldn't have interfered number six you'll pay for this number six says no you will
0: okay so um, i was yeah right but also wrong mm. But yeah, so back at his uh, house, number six is summoned by number two, but he refuses, goes out walking instead, and there's some goons in, like, striped shirts who cut send after him who reminded me of, like, like henchmen in the Batman 66 show.
1: (laughs) They're totally henchmen.
2: I I guess uh, wearing striped shirts was more badass back in the 60s.
0: (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) But yeah, so they beat him up and bring him to number two. So in the dome, number six is getting interrogated by this number two, and he gets slapped in the face by number two. And then he gives this quote about how the title of the episode is You must be anvil or hammer. Right. German? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah, he says something in German,
1: German about it. German quote by
2: Goethe.
0: Goethe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Du musst ambus oder hammer sein. Yeah,
2: so you must be the you must be anvil the or hammer. 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 Yeah. Yep. And he threatens to break uh, number six mm-hmm. because he's a hammer. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so the war is on, in other words. Yep. Uh, but as he's trying to do this interrogation, number two gets a call on the very cool retro futuristic phones, which mm-hmm. are cordless, which I feel like was not a, well, not a <laughs> thing. Like in the 60s, that's a big thing. Yeah.
2: I think the first well, actual cordless phone was invented like a few years after the show aired. So
0: I believe that. But yeah, and so like they're saying, they're like asking, him, right, what's going on? Is everything under control?" He's like, "No, I don't need any assistance." Number six is basically is waiting while this is going on. Is like, and he's like, "I'm sorry, you were saying."
1: Well, he senses like weakness there yeah. that he can exploit because he's the man. <laughs> so cool. And
0: so number two like shouts at number six, "Say get out!" Mm-hmm. And then he orders number two orders special surveillance on number six, and it, like anything happens, and he does anything weird. Report to me, Number Two personally.
3: Mm.
0: I really like this episode. So, but this is where the machinations start.
3: <laughs> right.
0: So Number Six goes to the grocer in the uh, or the shop. I don't. I, I just call it the grocer. I didn't know if he actually had a name. Mm-hmm. And he sees that they got some new records in. So he says, "All right, you know, there's one particular record called Lar It's by what's the artist's name?"
3: Dessert. He's it? he's it.
0: You're right. So he's, he wants to listen to not just one copy of it, but like all the copies that they have of it. And there's like I think three or four different copies.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so there's a booth in the back where it's like it's like the cone of silence from uh,
1: Get Smart, which we haven't Smart. covered yet, but no, yeah, but we will. We, we will. know what it
0: is. Yes, uh where like you put the record in and then you put your head in this big plastic tube, and that's where you listen to it. Which is cool. Like that's an interesting idea, and you know maybe in the days if well if there are actually record stores or you know barnes and nobles left mm-hmm. if you don't want to put headphones over someone else that someone else may have touched maybe this is a better idea
1: yeah it's more easier to
0: clean too like it's clear mm-hmm. so you can see all right that's definitely dirty now i need to clean it
1: Except that what you listen to fills the whole store. So everybody's listening to on what you're
0: getting. That's the purpose of the dome is so you can hear without Mm. like it being like, I assume it's piped in. So the the acoustics will, you know, it'll be louder than if you had headphones on, but it won't be as loud as say, if you're just playing it with it on a speaker,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. but he only plays like the first five or 10 seconds of each record. And as he's doing so, he's like looking at his watch, making notes, and then he returns all of them to the grocery. He says, no, it's not an adequate recording. And he, when he does that, he also leaves a newspaper that he was writing notes on. And and the grocer notices and sees that the word security is circled on the newspaper.
1: I feel bad that I couldn't figure out what number six was doing here for a <laughs> long time.
0: <laughs> um, I, like, as soon he's as like... Oh, he's up to something. I'm, I'm like, all right, what's he doing? I, mm. I didn't get it immediately, but once things started happening, like, oh, I know exactly what he's doing, and it's brilliant. Mm. So the grocer calls no, number two and rings over the records, and so in the dome, number two is listening to all the records. He thinks that they're all identical, and the grocer is telling him exactly what number six did, and he wasn't sure why he was doing this, or and you know what was different, but he shows him the paper where it has this this security circle and so they look at the cameras in number six's house and he's making some notes on a paper and so they go in and send someone in to go into number six's house to see what he wrote down in the paper and this the, who they send in is number 14
2: yes right it's uh two henchmen
0: yeah. This, uh, now, we've yeah. not met this number 14 before in the show, have we? Uh, I don't think so. I think this is. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. according to the Ultimate Guide.
0: Oh, yes.
1: The actor has been in an earlier episode, but has a different character.
0: Okay. All right.
1: It's just the nature of the show that permanent, except for number six and the dwarf guy, who we haven't talked about yet.
0: What about the grocer? Because actually, now that I think about it, the grocer is different.
1: Right. Yeah. Everybody's different.
0: Interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. So, number 14 goes into number six's house and grabs, the, does he grab the papers or is the paper underneath? I wasn't clear.
1: Oh, I, no, I don't know.
0: You know, there's a much easier way to do that. Here's a spy mm-hmm. tip for you guys if you want to find out what someone had written, if someone had, had written a note on a notepad and you know, t- mm-hmm. and taken that with them, and there's but the papers underneath still, get a pencil, just shade over it, you can see what indentations they were made. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier than doing whatever whatever the heck number two is trying to do.
1: <laughs> oh with his like computer or
3: whatever yeah uh-huh
0: it's, it's yeah. so much easier to do it that way on the paper we find a note that says 2x04 reference your query via bizet record number two instability confirmed detailed report follows d5 or no, d6 what does that mean who knows
1: uh well it, he figures out pretty quickly that he's spying on number two
0: or that's okay. what he wants number two to think.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. So we next go to number six on his bed. He's reading something, goes over to the window and looks out, doesn't see anything. So he goes, gets a portfolio, like a bunch of papers hidden in his bed. Like under, I like this, underneath his nicely folded sheets, like Mm -hmm. right under where you fold the sheets back over the comforter, that's where he has it hidden. Right leaves his house, and as this is all happening, 2 and 14 are watching him, and they follow him as he goes towards the beach, and, then he, and he goes to, towards different areas near the beach, and then he goes towards a stone boat, goes into the cabin, and then comes out. And so they think that, they, that he left the, the uh, packet there, which of course he did, and they find it.
1: Yes. This is where they're supposed to.
0: So they take it back to number two's house, and Number fourteen, so to leave because like he's like oh, I want to know. So no, you don't get to know. You're not important enough.
2: <laughs> he basically just kicks out number fourteen
0: mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. yeah. And so he calls some someone. He calls the laboratory and says, send one up, someone over here. I need you to like and analyze something. And okay, were they in the house? Like, are they in num- Is the laboratory in um, number two's house? Because like they come over pretty quick.
2: It doesn't say where they are. Um, you should probably know that the, when Number Two first looks at like the papers, are all blank. Like, there's nothing on. Any oh, of that's one.
0: true. Yeah, I didn't mention that. Yeah, all the papers are blank, and so he's like, "What?" He's like, "All right, there's got to be something on here," because clearly, yeah, there was something on the last thing, so obviously there, there must be something here.
1: I, I so, also would be suspicious that it's actually Number Two's house. It's more likely his office.
0: Well, it's in the dome. And he he refers yeah. to it as his house in the first episode. that's why it was I, I'm calling it his house.
1: I guess he could live in the village, just like everybody else, yeah,
0: well, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, it may not actually be his house, but they but hmm. number Close two enough, the very yeah. first number two says, "Come to mm-hmm. my house for breakfast, so I always I just think of it as his house, even if it's not may not actually be his house, right, but it was just interesting to me that like he calls them over and then very like very quickly they're like pop up at the door and so oh, they, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so they get, grab the papers from him, test them out, and the lab can't find anything.
1: Well, and then and, he starts to crack.
0: Yeah, because yeah. so yeah. number two is like, like oh. incredulous, and he like suspects yeah. the lab techs are hiding something from him. Mm-hmm. It, he's just gone, full, he's already started down that path. Yeah. Yep. The next day, number six goes over to a booth and says, I want to put an ad in the personal section. And mm-hmm. it's a quote from Don Quixote in Spanish. And so this is what took me a long time to try to get this, because I was trying to figure out what this quote was. And if mm-hmm. I just finished the watching the episode, they would have said, told it to me. But oh. I was like, so my my wife, Carolyn, who's appeared on the podcast before, she can speak Spanish. Uh, but she was like, his accent is terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, it didn't sound too good.
0: But yeah, so the quote is, Ima as, See, my accent is probably just as bad. Ei más mal en Antiguelia que se suena. Something to that effect. Apologies mm. to any of our Spanish listeners, because I have the terrible. Mm. Uh, but the translates to, there is more evil in the village than it sounds. Or actually, uh, later on, number two gives a different uh, translation. But that's pretty much what it is.
2: Yeah, he says there's more danger in the village
0: than it seems, or something like that. So yeah, so he goes over to a phone booth, or I guess the phone booth, since it's only one phone in all of the village.
1: Apparently, yeah. Or at
0: least one for public access. Right. And he goes over and calls uh, psychiatry, the psychiatry ward and asks yeah. for the report on number two. And the guy who picks up there is very confused, and Six is like, ah, you're right, yes, not uh, best not to discuss it over the phone.
2: Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> The key here is like, first of all, it's, it's, it's the head of the psychiatry department at the hospital. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is that, um, even though even though the village has all these surveillance devices, they're only hearing one side of the conversation. They're only hearing what number six is saying. They're not hearing the responses from
0: the... Are you sure?
2: ...the head of the department.
0: Uh
2: Yeah. I guess, well,
0: right? I guess we only hear that recorded. But I I feel like mm-hmm. even though I, they may I mean they probably heard what he said too, uh, what the head of the psychiatry. But, but I think but
1: he's yeah, the suspicious one.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, so they bring in number two, brings in the head of psychiatry into the dome, and like interrogate him like, are you like why would he be calling you if he's if he doesn't have anything to say to you? And say like, I don't know, I didn't know who it was. And so he said, "All right, well, I'll prove to you that it was number six on the oscilloscope, because apparently voices are like f- fingerprints, and everyone is unique." And so they do this thing on the. So I think this is a real thing in oscilloscope, because when I put it into my autocorrect, it was like it came up with that word. It's like, oh, okay,
3: yeah,
2: it's it's a it's, it's a thing that like uh can read like waves, uh, but okay. I I don't think you
1: can use it to for identifying voices or anything. <laughs> But I'm like, why did they have this part? Because we, the audience, know that it's number six. I, I think it's Sue. Uh,
2: I think just it- to
0: show that number two is cracking, that he's going to these lengths to really mm. prove that's number six. I think, yeah, that,
3: yeah. That, so he's
1: trying to convince himself as well as the other guy.
0: Yeah, but I like yeah. this too because, as someone who's had to do a little podcast editing, um, just seeing the waves and like matching them up, I'm like, oh yeah, this this that looks familiar. <laughs> Well, yeah, so next we go to the Brass Band Concert, and number six is walking past it, and apparently, as he walked past, he talked to the band leader. The band leader reports to number two that number six asked him to play me see If I can pronounce this again, I have it phonetically written out. <laughs> it's
1: like it's like some other pretentious Spanish-Italian no, song or it's whatever. It's the same the song. The same song. It's, that's the key. Uh-huh. It's the same song
2: from the, the
0: Oh, L'Arle okay. Sien, yeah. Mm-hmm. The band leader's, like, Gets interrogated by number two about why why would he say this? Clearly, you have to know something. So he starts suspecting everyone.
1: Yeah. Which, of course, was the idea.
0: Yeah. And so number six goes over to visit number 73's grave. And I don't know if he left those flowers or someone else left those flowers, but there are flowers there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And as he's leaving, he sees number 113's tombstone and he gets an idea, and he leaves a note in a box which does radio announcements. Mm-hmm. And so over the radio, there's a message that's read from 113 to to number six, warmest greetings on your birthday, may the sun shine on you today and every day. And of course, number two hears this, freaks out, and tries mm-hmm. to find out who number thirteen, 113 was. Yeah. Number two and 14 go over to the control room, confronts everyone, And they're all staring at him like, what the hell are you on about? And he says to the supervisor, well, clearly something's wrong because today is not number six's birthday and 113 is dead. Covert message for number six.
1: So, if 113 is dead, that means they don't just use the number again. So, it's like a jersey in the NFL. Like, if you See, die, maybe. then they retire your number. Maybe. There's only going to be one number six. Which for the rest of the raises
0: time. My qu- one of my questions. And I forgot to talk about his last episode. Like, if there are lo- like people who've been there forever who have much higher numbers, why is he number six? I guess it's just showing that he's that important again.
1: Uh, it, it's further evidence for the theory that it's all about him, that <laughs> he actually hasn't been around that long. But they have their own two
0: graveyards. How Uh, long of those must have been?
1: (laughs) Just because it's a graveyard doesn't mean anybody's in it. But there clearly
0: is because 113 is dead, they they said.
1: That's what they said. That doesn't mean there ever actually was 113.
0: Except that there was because number two is like, number 113 has been dead for a while. How could they be sending messages to number two? So if they didn't exist, he wouldn't be freaking out like that.
1: Or this number two hasn't been informed about everything
0: maybe that's a which nice. I, i'm inclined yeah. to
1: believe which leads me to sort of my issue kind of with the premise of this episode is that you'd think number two would be informed hey this number six guy is pretty tricky and if he starts acting weird he might just be messing with you as opposed to yada 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 everything that happens maybe we can talk about it when it, the episode's over
0: number two fires the supervisor of the control room and like demands that everyone else put someone else in charge at least he doesn't do a Vader and kills him and then puts someone else in charge.
1: Yeah, it's not really that kind of show, I guess.
0: <laughs> but he demands that they break up this conspiracy.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
0: and then back at his house, number two sees the message in the in the personal ads. And yeah, here's, this, here's the translation he has. There's more harm in the village than is dreamt of.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And as this is going on, for, number 14 is telling number two that I want to take care of him. Just let me do it. Let me kill him. Let me do something. And number two is like, no, uh, he's very important to our our masters, and you know, if anything happens to him, you know, right, they'll know that it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Which lends credence to your theory, Zach.
1: Well, you could go either way. I mean, either way, he's important, and they don't want to just kill him. Yeah, but there you go.
0: But then, as this happens, number six arrives at number two's house and says that he was summoned. Is like someone with your voice called me over the telephone, and I didn't find mm-hmm. themselves as number two. Someone must be impersonating you. Which yeah, of course or, freaks out number no, two.
1: Yeah, that's the only explanation is that someone's impressing number two. Not that number six <laughs> is full of it.
0: But yes, but then is the most ridiculous moment in this episode. Yeah. It's not so the, 14, whole the weird fight. Scene. Wait, 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 Let's let's lead up to it first. <laughs> okay, so okay. number fourteen is getting in number six's face and is like, you know, someone really should put you in your place. I think, like, Yeah, why don't you? like kosho sure i challenge you Mm -hmm. and then they go to what's basically what's that trampoline park called
1: slam ball oh wait no 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 um the other one fly zone or something like that. yeah
0: something like that yeah so so they're you know in my mind when i just pictured it out like they were wearing those ridiculous sumo outfits like you know which have padding in them too but they were not but i want that to happen (laughs) <laughs> is that they're on the super outfits and trampoline. But no, they were just trampolining and they're yes. like having a fight and like there's water in between the two trampolines as well as like a ledge on the side where they could jump up onto. And I think is the object to try to dunk the other person in the water? I, seemingly I think so. <laughs> But no, I we think don't so. ever see it happen. We just see them being held over the water.
1: Well, then he gives up, I think is the idea. Well like we don't see, see that.
0: Well we we see it happening. And as as it's happening, there's like some stereotypically asian music
1: yeah yeah there was it, was so it wasn't
0: to wasn't to the degree of the like na 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 nah, nah, which i hate right but it was still kind of like it stereotypically was asian oh, no, yeah. which i hated
1: so i and the scene is like mind boggling to me what's up son <laughs> i was
2: just saying and then it ends with like the gong and then banging then banging oh, am right. like
1: what is, what is any of
0: this i don't know
3: so that
1: that's what's so crazy is they built this whole set and maybe, <laughs> maybe you just get a couple trampolines together and it's not a big deal, but it's like, it's a 45 second scene that doesn't serve the story at all. Uh-uh. And it's not like there's not action in the rest of the episode. Cause there yeah. is uh-huh. also one stray observation is that number six appears to be wearing Converse all-stars when they have uh-huh. the shot of his foot. <laughs> 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 that's kind of amazing. That's great. You might want to go back and double check though.
0: All right, but the scene just ends without any real sort of resolution to why they're doing it. What is this? What does Kacho have? It's
2: Well, uh-huh. I don't think there can be an explanation for that. <laughs>
0: Hold on, from the Prisoner Wiki. Uh huh. Because there's, of course, there is one. Mm-hmm. Kosho appeared prominently in the episode. It's your funeral. According to Kacho uh-huh. rules, one must knock the other into a four by eight tank of water. Upon successful dunking, the Kosho match is over. It sounds easy, but there are plenty of opportunities to shatter one's sternum. Kaushou was invented by Patrick McGuhan.
1: Wow, that Patrick <laughs> McGuhan can do anything. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: Now I yeah. have to watch that episode to just see the all of the rest of, more of Kaushou.
1: I want to see Kaushou on ESPN 8 or whatever.
2: ESPN 8, <laughs> How do you even break your sternum on, in Kasho?
0: Like, uh, I assume if you, like, hit the side of a trampoline. Yeah,
1: or that's, on that's the ledge, my
0: guess. <laughs> Next time air zones open, I'm challenging Zach to Koshio.
1: Do you accept that? We need to bring our helmets. Zach, <laughs> you have to accept. It. I accept. It. Of course. I can't yeah. lose my status in the village. They're going to knock me down a number.
0: Now that we've, we're done with Koshio, um, I don't think
1: we're ever going to be done with Koshio.
0: <laughs> so, Six is walking around. He sees some pigeons on a roof and gets an idea. He goes over to the shop to buy a small notebook, and he also buys a cuckoo clock. But mm. he's and like the grocer comes and like is like trying to offer him, oh, this particular clock, and he's like, no, I like this one. It's not just looking at the clock, but also the box it comes in, which has a flap at the bottom or the top with a hinge. So this was the one thing that he did, quote-unquote, suspiciously, that was like, is that suspicious, though? Because the grocer calls... Number two, and tells him that he bought a cuckoo clock, but not just not the, because he bought the clock, but because the grocer tried to offer him one, and he bought a different one. And the grocer said it looked like he was looking for a specific one. I'm like, well, that's really like a spy yeah. Thing. yeah, but I mean, could he just could not like that other clock and just likes this clock better. I don't think so. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that was the one thing where, I was like, is it actually that suspicious? Not really, but I guess if they're watching everything he does, sure, fine. Yeah. but
1: well it reminds me of an episode of MacGyver. The okay. old one of course, where MacGyver is going to a motel and he has to eavesdrop on a guy in a specific room. So he goes to the clerk and he's like, "I would like room 738, please." And the clerk was like, "Um, we have lots of rooms." He says, "No, it has to be 738 because my horoscope says that <laughs> even numbers or whatever are good for me, you know, so some kind of crazy explanation." And the clerk is like, "You're from California, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> So the point is, I could see it being something like that. Where it's All like, he right. you that oh, clock because yeah. there's a message from number one or whatever.
0: But it's not that suspicious. He's, he's not like, oh, I must have this. He's like, no, I just think I like this one better. Oh, and okay. Yeah. At least that's the impression I got. But maybe because of the fact that they're watching him so closely, anything he does is suspicious. Mm-hmm.
2: That's
0: most likely it. So back at uh, his house, number six is using the box with the you know hinged top and the pencil to create the stereotypical trap yeah for a, a bird mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and he has it like held open with a pencil as he's so he sets that up and he's waiting for a bird to come get it and as he's doing that he brings the clock over the cuckoo clock over to number two's door and just <laughs> places it there walks away yeah they're watching him do this they think it's a bomb so they call over the bomb squad who is not very protected for a bomb squad.
1: Yeah, the village bomb squad. <laughs> apparently, they have one. They have no, no police force, <laughs> but a bomb squad. Yeah, it's not the her locker suit. <laughs> no, they,
0: they have like World War II helmets on. And I don't think even they had any padding or anything. They just were yeah. just like.
2: <laughs> they like brought a bucket of sand and put the yeah. bomb, like the clock in there.
0: And as they come in and take that away, back at number six's house, a bird walks in to the trap gets trapped and number yeah. six takes the bird over to the woods and the cuckoo clock is taken over to the bomb range to be disassembled which yes they have a bomb range apparently as well which I assume we've never seen at this point either
1: well it's uh... not on the map of your village which also came with the DVD <laughs> I, pre- I would presume that it's like out somewhere in like administration or whatever
0: I guess but I mean like the fact that there are all those sandbags and everything it's clearly meant to be a place where you dismantle bombs. So, like, mm-hmm. okay, how many different bombs have had to, have they actually had to disassemble?
1: You know, maybe they're just very prepared for any
2: any yeah.
0: possibility.
1: Yeah, I want to know how a bomb would do up against Rover. It'd pop it <laughs> like a balloon. Uh,
0: <laughs> also, that Rover didn't show up this episode, and I was kind of disappointed.
1: He doesn't need to show up in every episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, just the fact that like his appearance, I was like so confused and. Yeah, just uh-huh. confused by him. So the, I was just expecting him to show up all the time.
1: Well, he only shows he, up when people are trying to escape, and Number Six didn't uh, try to yes, escape in this. That's, episode. that's
0: very true. Yeah. All right.
2: He anyway, show up so the rest
0: of the series, though. So, <laughs> so the <laughs> yeah. clock is disassembled in the bomb range, and Number Two, like, is watching them as they're doing it. They they don't find anything in there. Mm-hmm. But back in the control room, they see that Number Six is approaching a restricted area. He goes up to a cliff top. He uh, takes out the notepad, writes down some numbers, and attaches the note to the leg of the pigeon.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And back in the control room, they they see this. They're tracking the bird. They use radar. They get up the beam ready, which is like this laser beam that comes it's out like a from, laser gun. Yeah, <laughs> from like a flagpole. Is that what it was?
2: Yeah, it was a flagpole. It just like extends up.
0: And, yeah, it was like a little end like a antenna that comes out, like an old car antenna that like extends up from the flagpole and like points. And we don't. I'm a little disappointed. We didn't see the laser like hitting the bird or something like that. But I assume the effects would not have been great for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they would look like the Starship Enterprises phasers, probably. Hey, those the best. phasers
0: look good. <laughs> I, I've, ne- I've never. Like, There's a lot to
1: complain was... about, but that's not one of them.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, this, yeah. So they retrieve the message from the bird, and it's these numbers: twenty, sixty, forty, forty-seven, sixty-seven, eighty-one, ninety-one, eighty, which. Reading them out loud makes me feel like Hurley from Lost.
1: <laughs> this also reminds me of an episode of uh, Burn Notice where Michael Weston's being surveyed and he uh. picks up the phone and reads a bunch of numbers and then it pans down <laughs> to show that he's reading prices off a catalog.
0: That's great. <laughs> <laughs> they run those numbers through the Bat computer, basically. Mm-hmm. It says something like something your message tomorrow, 0600 hours by Visual Signer.
2: Yeah. So they're like, all right,
0: now we need to watch him at 0600. What's he going to do? So number six at at 6 o'clock a.m., takes a mirror and a watch and leaves his house. Number two is watching him as he's doing this. He goes out near the stone boat and out to the beach and uses a mirror to signal Morse code, like by signaling with a light or with the Mm -hmm. rays of the sun. And, like, they're trying to see, it. oh, is that, are there any ships around? Anyone they could be signaling? There's no submarines, no airplanes. There's nothing. Right. And this is where the message reads, the pat crime. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which once they said that I was cracking up. <laughs> and they <laughs> run the rhyme through the computer. <laughs> but it reads exactly as, as the same rhyme. And, like, number two is like, there must be a special code that the computer doesn't know.
1: So it yes. could be a code to the right people. Yeah. But I don't uh, think
3: so.
0: But no. so, yeah, number two is just cracked. further drive at home. Number six goes over to what looks like, is this the restaurant? because uh, I don't we didn't see the restaurant before, so I don't know if this is yeah. just the restaurant or if this is just another outdoor area, but he's sitting out with a bunch of tables. and number six goes over to number fourteen and like starts talking to him, whispering to him,
1: yeah
0: uh, about yeah. like, yeah. how did you sleep and like saying stuff to him that's like nonsense, but you know, nothing stuff. As they're talking, one of the waiters sees them talking. Well, sees number six whispering to number 14 and reports to number two, which now number two is re- suspicious of a number 14.
2: Yeah, he actually accuses uh, 14 of working with six and, like, slaps him.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, there's a lot of slapping in this episode.
2: And yeah, <laughs> so uh, like, dismisses
0: him, says, you know, you're a traitor, get out of here. Number six is listening to a record at home. I was actually disappointed that it's not the same record.
1: Oh, the one from before? Yes,
0: yeah. the uh, Lucien. It was not this. It was just something else. But he's listening to a record. Number 14 confronts him. They have this fight, which basically, like, destroys uh, number six's home. Like, all the things, yeah. like, his, like, you know, Japanese style, uh, uh, like, the things that you know, block you if you're, like, changing
1: Oh, it's like a paper wall?
0: Not not quite. It's like one of those dress, dressing, I don't know, dressing partitions something, yeah. There's one of those, they break his chair, they break all they break his table. His, yeah, and his light bulbs, and his lights. As, yeah, his lamps, yeah, they break everything in there.
1: It seems weird, based on, since we just watched the first episode, it would be kind of funny if they were fighting, and then the voice is like, maintenance to number <laughs> six house, clean up requested on aisle that three, or whatever. Be,
0: that would be good, but it, th- we don't have that. And at the end of the fight, like, uh, number six gets 14 in, like, a police hold and throws him out the window.
1: I think um, it was a door.
0: Was it, it not a hand- window? It
1: had a handle. Oh,
0: okay. It could oh. have been the door to, like, the balcony or something. Okay.
1: Number six doesn't really kill people. Eh, at least not directly.
0: Oh, I didn't... I was wondering about it. Is he dead? like, I, I, It didn't look like he was dead. Like, if, if he was dead, I feel like there would have been repercussions. So maybe he's just, like, knocked out.
3: Hmm.
0: And then, number six goes to visit number two in the dome, and number two over is over there like leaning over the bicycle or the uh, yeah. penny farthing, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and he starts like, taunting number two,
2: and he's like sweat, and like two was like sweating. He everything.
0: is, yeah. he's he's, he's having not a doing good, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he says that you know number six is clearly D six sent by their masters to spy on him, and number six is like, oh, that's not true. But even if worst, but if it was true, mm-hmm. then you. have have in, acted inappropriately. You've interfered with our, my investigation, and like is saying, you know, what is XO4 going to think about this?
2: <laughs> yeah, basically, exactly what he wrote in the paper in the very beginning.
0: Yep,
2: it basically, uh, two like fully bought it about uh, the conspiracy.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and so he convinces, well, convinces and coerces number two to report himself. And yeah. says that uh, you know that he needs to be replaced, and but, so uh, presumably in the ver- in the next episode because of this we'll get a new number two, and that's the end well, of the episode. Yeah, I-,
1: I know you haven't really watched the show. I but know, always I know a that, new that you'll get two. a new
0: number two, yeah. but for this, <laughs> but for, I assume for this is the one of a few times that we see exactly yeah. them replacing him. That's not just oh, it's a new day, it's a new number two. This whole time it's like oh, I've got rid of you.
1: Yeah, it was great. It's also right. one of the few episodes where number six is like, it has the upper hand.
0: I like this. Is yeah. I liked, so should we get into some spy fact versus spy fiction?
1: Uh, yeah. You can, you want to go first? Yeah. I, because we both have some this time, Sundeep, get ready.
0: So I've got two things. Yeah. Now one is about the pigeon and this is maybe a little bit obvious, but you know, carrier pigeons are a real thing. Obviously the pigeon that to number two or number six captured was probably not a real carrier pigeon, but hmm. you know, they've been used as early as 300 BC, uh, 3,000 BC, excuse me, in Egypt,
3: mm-hmm. as
0: well as more recently, in, I believe in World, like in some of the World Wars, well, in World War II, they used homing pigeons to capture surveillance photos. Not quite the same thing, but I, I just like that. Always like the the uh, pigeons who use cameras, and that they can. They're very smart. and can be trained pretty easily, and. Uh yeah, but my other thing that I thought was really interesting was about the code that number 6 used the number code. So Okay. When I saw all those numbers I thought that I thought about hmm what could this code be and I don't and it was not what I thought it was but there's a code very similar to what he used where you have numbers which are substituted by by entire words not just letters. It's called the Culper code book which was used by the Culper Spy Ring which is America's very first spy ring which was mm. founded by George Washington during the revolutionary war. So, there are two, few ways that the code works. There are certain things where there's exact numbers which translates towards, for example, the number for 20 would be a fair. Like I tried actually putting it through to see what the code would be, but it didn't it didn't work out. So you have mm-hmm. like numbers 1 through what is it? sixty six hundred fifty four, 654 all have specific wor- words associated to them. But then you can also use the numerical alphabet to, uh, like, if there's a word that doesn't exist, you can create a new code with it. And you also can use, like, a uh, tilde if there's something close to it, but it's not quite that word. So you can sort of figure it out. Like a, so, which is a very interesting. And I've used this code uh, a few times with the spy museum. Like, that's one of the things they're big on the cult Spire ring because they have... At the Spy Museum, plug for this. Mm-hmm. My usual plug for the Spy Museum here. Uh, they actually have the letter which George Washington wrote that founded that spy ring.
3: Nice. Yeah. yeah All great. right. So, what
0: I do think you guys think I saw
1: that letter? Okay, so I have a, a couple things. So, the first is behind the scenes. Okay. Since you guys liked Rover so much, I wanted to tell <laughs> you. This is again from the Ultimate Guide or whatever mm-hmm. that. In the first episode, they used a balloon for Rover because it replaced right. a mechanical device that could travel on land or on sea and could climb walls. That I wanted to see, <laughs> but they lost the model when it sank in the water outside the oh, village. No.
0: <laughs> what did it look like?
1: It looked like Rover.
0: Oh, so it was a ball. Okay, I thought. So yeah. when you said when you said that, I thought you meant that there was supposed to be a much more complicated device that they were going to use but then he had lost so they replaced it with a ball
1: oh oh i don't know i'm reading it as the rover device looked like a balloon but it was like super but how would a balloon climb walls
0: i think uh, it might be right with my analysis of that
1: okay well i I didn't do much research okay so here's the good stuff guys all right here we go here we go in world war ii there was the special operations executive, right? Yes, right. Who talked about them. So according to a book that we may or may not have already covered in a micro dot episode called D-Day Girls by Sarah Rose, they talk about how the security section was responsible for recruiting mistakes by the SOE. Quote, men who proved unsuited to the rigors of life as an agent in the field, agents who were flawed, indiscreet, profiligate, I don't even know what that means, libidinous, unstable, drunk, or in any other way useless, and Uh went through the training course to be on the SOE, were sent to the Highlands of Scotland, to the number six special workshop school, otherwise known as the Forgetting School. What? Yes. Failed trainees were warehoused at a hunting estate far away from the war, until their Mm. knowledge of secrets were, like, out of date, and they weren't considered a security risk.
0: Whoa. Wow. The village is real.
1: Yeah. The mansion for useless agents was a quarantine for the resentful, a ghetto of the bored. Now, Uh according to Christopher J. Murphy's security and special operations book, Uh this facility, number six special workshop school, was an inspiration for George Markstein's 1974 novel called The Cooler, which is also a nickname for it. It has been claimed that Markstein found out about it while working as a journalist for the U.S. Forces magazine Stars and Stripes. Now, the book has been forgotten, but the influence of the number six school can also be seen in the television series "The Prisoner," which Mark Steen developed along with the show star Patrick
0: McGuhan. Ah So it is direct inspiration. That is fascinating.
1: yeah. And what I want to know is, why hasn't there been a movie made about this place? It would like be the- perfect for a comedy.: <laughs> Like the cooler, like with the yeah. but- well,
2: secret agents it's like oh, it's like, a, like the losers that. Oh, <laughs> that
3: would be good yeah
1: it's like lower decks mixed with <laughs> the losers mixed <laughs> with archer i, I don't know oh, i could go on
3: <laughs> yeah I, I can see that bigger. yeah
2: like like a, a situation where all the real secret agents aren't available or they can't deal with an issue so they gotta call out the loser secret agents
3: well
0: that almost sounds like johnny english in a way <laughs>
1: It's a similar idea, but it can be a little bit more grounded, I I guess. Or maybe you don't want it to be grounded. (laughs) Okay, so that is it for Fact versus Fiction. Do we have any favorite quotes you want to do from the second episode?
0: Yes, I had one, but now I have to remember. Oh, yes, here it is. Actually, Sandeep, do you have any before I go?
2: Uh, I didn't actually write any down, sorry. I did like how the secret uh, message at the very end was, pedicake, pedicake, biggers, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good, yeah. I like that, too. So my quote is from number two. It's actually the last line of the episode. It's, I have to report a breakdown of control. Number two needs to replace. Yes, this is number two reporting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Interesting note to end the episode on. Mm-hmm. So as I said, my favorite quote is, no, you will. But I also liked when number two is talking to somebody. I mm-hmm. think it was 46, the surveillance guy. Number six sent a code. What does it mean? And the guy says, it means what it says. <laughs> and number two gets really
0: mad. That's it's what it's not. referring to, the patty cake, isn't it? Uh, no, I think, I think it's, it's something before
2: to... that, but I don't remember. I it's referring to the happy birthday message.
0: Oh, that's... You...
1: Oh, yeah, 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 oh,
2: yeah, oh, that's yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. I
0: forgot about that. Yeah. All right, so shall we get into our ratings?
1: Yes. As always, our ratings are on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being in a horrible spy movie, 10 being amazing, great, wonderful. How would you guys rate these two episodes of The Prisoner?
0: you could give one rating per episode okay sandeep is our guest do you want to go first
2: um yeah sure well i'm a huge fan of the series uh so i'm going to be rating these both very highly for arrival it does a really good job setting up setting everything up so i'm going to go with actually i guess a 9.5
0: 9.5 oh. that may be our highest rating ever on this show well, or on the yeah. on the podcast, yeah. But it's,
1: it's his right to get. Yeah, it.
0: no, yeah, that is entirely and all right. So, for, yeah.
1: it,
2: it does an excellent job in setting up like what turns out is going to turn out to be a really interesting series, and it, it really hits all the main points and a very like it, it sets up a very a unique premise really well. So, all right, yeah. And do I rate the next one right now? yep or? Yep. Uh, I would say "Hammer into Anvil" is also a really good episode. Um I would rate it a 9 out of 10. Uh, It loses points for Kosho. I did not like that. But (laughs) everything else
1: I really liked. So I also rate this one very
0: highly. All right. Nice. Zach, do you want to go next?
1: Sure. I also quite like the series, even though I've only watched it through once, or at least every episode once, Some I've seen more. The first episode was really good. It set the tone really well. And about halfway through it, I was like, I'm going to give it my first 9 out of 10 rating ever. However, unfortunately, I think the latter half kind of suffers a little bit. I don't know why they started bringing in this woman and these other <laughs> people in like the last quarter of the episode. It didn't feel like a felt like it tacked on to the end of the story and it wasn't so coherent. So I'm going to give the first episode an eight out of ten because it All is right. really good. And then hammer into Anvil, I'm going to rate up. Also slightly lower than that, I'm going to give it a seven of an out of 10 because it's very enjoyable to watch. And it's, as always, it's really well-made. But unfortunately for this one, the age kind of shows a little bit because once you figure out what number six is doing, you're just sort of waiting for it to happen. Hmm, interesting. And I didn't find that so engaging. I'm kind of like, oh, it's going to happen next. Oh, it's just more of the same until eventually the episode ends. All right. So maybe it works better for some people than it did for me, but I still consider it to be a good episode on the whole.
0: All right. So I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to have a slightly different opinions from you guys. So for Arrival, I'm going to rate it a seven out of 10. It's, it's interesting and it does well in setting up the world, but it also bears that burden of having to set up that entire world. And mm-hmm. it's, it's good. Like I liked it, but if you remember, we're a spy podcast. Not a lot of spying going on in that one
3: mm-hmm.
0: like it's really entertaining and really interesting, but the spy action kind of low on that point because he's yeah, he's not the one who's in control. he's the one who's having having to figure out what's going on, and you never get a resolution to it. so on that, I'm gonna rate it a seven that's which is still a high rating for us, but it's not it's good know. for you <laughs> Actually yeah.
1: no, you tend to rate them pretty high so I you yeah. fine, yeah,
0: and for. I actually enjoyed uh, Hammer into Anvil more than the pilot because this is where you can see his spy skills. You can see his manipulation. You can see that, he, oh, he's good at what he... He, w- he would have been good at what he did because he's able, without you know, laying a finger on number two and just with using his spy skills to get number two to just crack entirely. And so he uses things that he knew, like, you know, just coded messages and everything even though he wasn't using them as traditionally used he used those to just break number two so i like that a whole lot so i'm going to rate that an eight out of ten
1: so the question i've been waiting the whole podcast to ask you is are you going to watch the rest of the series now
0: yeah i think i will i wasn't not necessarily sold entirely on watching the whole series by arrival and i guess maybe since we we know that uh, hammer to anvil is the like highest rated episode of the entire series Maybe that's the high, and maybe you don't need to watch anything else, but there's only 17 episodes or so, so I think it's something that is well worth my time. All
1: right. Um, well, there was uh, another episode that I wanted to watch uh, for a second one as well, but I deferred to Sundeep called yeah. The Schizoid Man, or The Schizoid Man, which I, that was my personal favorite one. So you yeah. know, at least that one will be good.
2: Yeah. Or you and know we can always come
0: bring good. Sundeep back for a micro dot if we just want to cover a one off episode.
2: Yeah. I would recommend watching. Uh, a few of the other episodes. I I've I started rewatching the series and um, they're pretty solid. Hmm. I mean, one thing that uh, I noticed as, as I started watching the, the series in order is that as time goes on, then the number twos get more desperate and uh, hmm. use more extreme measures on number six. So even though it is an episodic series, there is like a progression in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing I do want to uh, tell you right now yeah, oh,
0: is that, this about the elephant in the room? The ending. Oh no! Oh, I was okay. No, well, you no, know because it, I am gonna watch it. So don't tell me too much about the ending.
1: Okay. Yeah, don't tell him about the ending, Cindy. I want to All hear right. his reaction. Okay.
0: Well, uh, when I was talking about the elephant in the room, though, I was talking about the remake.
1: I don't watch it. <laughs> All
2: right. Yeah. I'm going to. uh The issue is there's a lot to say about it, but I'm gonna just say this. Basically. I think they just tagged on the prisoner name and uh, certain aspects of it onto a show that was different. That's written for that was like written beforehand. So it's oh, one of those. It's mm-hmm. one of those. It's not the prisoner. It's just, it basically has some like surface similar similarities. And since I really like the show, it's infuriating to watch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So yeah, is your rating for? Uh... The prisoner remake of what was it? Two
3: thousand
2: nine, something like that. Two so thousand nine, something like that. Yeah, I would say uh if, if you've watched prisoner before, it's a two. If you haven't watched prisoner, the uh, original prisoner, probably like a four or five. It's still <laughs> not a good show. Nice.
3: All right. Yeah.
2: Also, I, I didn't realize the scale of how we're rating things, so I thought nine was uh good instead of like exceptional. So.
1: Oh well. <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to be more fair with our one to ten ratings. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you were reading on like the IGN
2: score or whatever, where seven <laughs> is,
1: like, terrible
2: or something. Oh, no, no. no I mean, we're
1: yeah. trying to avoid that, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. okay well, thank you to Sundeep for joining us. Thank welcome, you to our audience for listening today. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Spy Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Spy Guys signing off.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jeff Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended.
1: This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal. personal. Personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.
0: You can find our podcast on social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.